Cleveland Browns Daily on 850 ESPN Cleveland. All right, second hour here, Cleveland Browns Daily, 850 ESPN Cleveland, as we continue to broadcast live out here at UH. Of course, we're out here for the Crucial Catch. It is Crucial Catch Month, something near and dear to our heart with the Cleveland Browns, but also uh, in the NFL, of course. And for some perspective on that, we're joined here on site by Dr. Jordan Winner, uh, Director of Surgical Services and Chief of Surgical Oncology here. Uh, Doc, thank you so much for taking the time, and, and this is something that, it touches all of us, but the the NFL's buy-in here in October to make it a to make it something you really pay attention to um, and get to the forefront and then get that message out to the fans. How important is that? Well, we really appreciate it. You know, cancer does touch everybody. One in four people will uh, will die from cancer, and one in two will will have cancer in their lifetime. Um, and it's something that we all uh, know somebody, uh, often a loved one, a family member, and it's so important for us to be aware of ways to catch it early, prevent it, and, and, and treat it with, uh, with our best available therapies. Why is it so early? Why is it so important to catch it early? The best chance we have of curing patients with, with cancer is to catch it early. Cancer cells can travel, and, uh, and once it has left the, the, the primary site, it becomes very difficult to treat. But um, when, if we can catch it before that happens, most of the time we can, we can treat it, either by removing it, surgery, or with some of our other therapies. It's pretty amazing. It's ever-evolving, and you guys are constantly studying. What, what are some of the new advances that, that are being put into practice now than, than maybe weren't five, ten years ago? Well, just on the, uh, on the subject of, of detection, Something that really is changing the field is our ability to catch cancer through a blood test. Still, we, when we talk about screening, it's the, it's the tried and true uh, tests that have been around for, for decades, colonoscopy, pap smear for cervical cancer, colonoscopy for colon cancer, uh, mammogram for breast cancer. But, um, but newer technologies are emerging very quickly, and actually some are even available uh, uh, that, that you can get through your, through your doctor um, and, uh, and take the form of a, of a simple blood test. And I expect that within the next five years, this is going to be something that will be much more cost um, uh, available and effective and also um, something that will be integrated into routine care. For men and women, when do you need to start these screenings? It's different for every cancer type. So uh, for, for breast cancer, typically it's women who are uh, 40 or older. Uh, for colon cancer, typically it's 50 or older, and, and that guideline and some, some of our foundations have been, uh, have been lowered to 45 um, and older. And, uh, and typically it's an annual or every other year screening test um, for people who are at increased risk, either family history or other risk factors, that age can start earlier. So we're about to be. It's go time. Five. It's go time for us. So how it's obviously so important. And, and what are you looking for in that? Because it says, you know, if you catch it early enough, you can actually get the polyps before cancer forms, which it sounds like I would want that rather than the alternative. Absolutely. I'm, I'm 47, and I actually just had my first colonoscopy about two months ago here at University Hospitals, and, uh, and fortunately it was clean. You um, were looking for those precancer polyps because it takes 
roughly five to ten years for those polyps to turn into an invasive cancer. There is a window of time where you can catch it and, and, and cure somebody and, and, and reset the clock on, on their screening surveillance uh, um, interval. It's pretty amazing. I, I, as my, um, my mom had lymphoma, non-Hodgkin's uh, turned into lymphoma, eventually leukemia, and passed away about 10 years ago um, here coming up next month. And one of the things that they were talking about at this time, and she was actually down at the James at the time, but one of the things they were talking about then, but it was, it was an, it felt like a new part of it was this immunotherapy, like redesigning your cells to fight. Um, is that Where have we come in 10 years on that? A very long way. So there are certain cancers. The immunotherapy doesn't work as well for every single cancer type. There are certain cancers where uh, they're very susceptible to our immunotherapies, like melanoma. Um, the the um, the the median survival has has changed from less than a year to four or five years for somebody with advanced melanoma, just in a matter of of a decade. The same is true for lung cancer. Uh, renal cell cancer, bladder cancer, these, these, these cancer types, immunotherapy works very well. And then there are certain cancer types, uh, like pancreatic cancer, which is the cancer that I, that I focus on, um, where immunotherapy really doesn't seem to work as well. And, and um, it's the, uh, the, the objective of our scientists to figure out how to, how to make those, those cancers more susceptible to these treatments. Why is it so special to be a part of the National Cancer Institute? There are only 53 such centers in the country. What does that mean that we have that here in Cleveland? Yeah, well, um, you know, our, our comprehensive cancer center, um, which, which falls under the umbrella of the Case Comprehensive Cancer Center, it actually involves um, both our hospital and, and the Cleveland Clinic, um, takes care of over 80% of all cancer patients in Northeast Ohio. And, um, and studies have shown that the survival of patients with cancer is actually better when taken care of, when those patients are taken care of at a comprehensive cancer center. And the reason for that, um, we think, is because we have the experience, we see a lot of volume, um, so we have the opportunity to really develop a strong expertise and develop best practices uh, and standardized practices around taking care of these complex problems. Um, but also, um, it's the availability of cutting-edge clinical trials, which, uh, which we have in all of our different cancer types for patients with early cancer as well as patients with advanced cancer. And what are those clinical trials, and, and how does that help people maybe get the care of tomorrow today? Those uh, clinical trials uh, range from being investigator-initiated, meaning they are started by scientists right here at University Hospitals and Seidman Cancer Center, to, uh, to clinical trials that are industry-sponsored. So they're started by the pharmaceutical industry that's looking to, uh, to trial their drugs, and they look for comprehensive cancer centers to implement or test those because of the amount of patients that we see. So, um, so it's what's, what's important for people to realize is that just because they have a cancer um, doesn't mean that they're eligible for every single clinical trial in that cancer type. It really, there are very strict eligibility criteria uh, that um, are associated with the stage of disease, whether they've gotten treatment before, and then we try and match that patient for the perfect clinical trial that is specifically for them. Yeah, it's interesting, Doctor. I mean, the fight goes on. As, as you met, those numbers were staggering off the top, one and two, one and four. Yeah. Um, the fight goes on, but it does feel like we're getting better at it. I, I, we are. I, the, the national statistics show that our ability to, um, to uh, 
move patients from a non-cure to a cure or just prolonged survival is improving, particularly over the last decade. It's unbelievable the amount of drugs that have been approved by the FDA over the last 20 years. There really was an inflection point that occurred. And now it's, it's, uh, it's routine for 10 to 20 new cancer drugs to be approved every single year. Um, and uh, I think as we get better in uh, figuring out how to detect this, this, these diseases earlier, you'll finally see um, patients surviving far longer than they, than they ever have. And uh, I feel like, you know, based on I'm not just a, a, a surgeon and an oncologist, but also a, a biologist and a scientist, and I, I see it at, at our national meetings, when you read the, the, the top journals, um, we are very close to really understanding how to turn the immune system well against cancer, how to target specific genetic abnormalities in the cancer and customize therapy. And, um, and I think people are really understanding how to think out of the box and try new approaches. And uh, an important piece of this is teaming up with scientists who are not traditionally cancer biologists, but microbiologists physicists, mathematicians, to really bring all bright minds in a multidisciplinary way to come up with new ideas. Dr. Winter, thank you for your time. Can I ask him one more question? Do you mind? You're the franchise. Ask him whenever you want. No. So getting screens important, but for guys like us who want to be around for a long, long time, what are the th one, two, three most important things we can do in our lives or anybody listening in their lives to help minimize or mitigate the risk of having cancer if there's anything that can be done? It's a great question. So I think that that fits into, into, into two categories. One is minimize your risk factors. So exercise, don't smoke, um, and, uh, and obesity being a very uh, major risk factor for, for cancer. If you can minimize those risk factors, I think that's, that's something that we control. The second thing is um, to pay attention to new symptoms and then get checked out. Uh, the difference between getting uh, a, a cancer diagnosed early and late could be a matter of being able, uh, a cure converting to a non-cure. And so if you've had nonspecific symptoms, such as weight loss, new onset diabetes, new pains that after a month just are not going away, it is so important to go see your doctor and get those evaluated. And, uh, and hopefully get something, get a, get a, and this is not to strike fear sure. in, in the minds of anybody because most of the times these symptoms are not reflective of an underlying cancer. But if it is, you want it to take early. Yeah. yeah. Absolutely. Thank you for your time. Yeah, thank you. And all thanks for having me. Yeah. Appreciate, Appreciate you guys. Deal. Dr. Jordan Winter here um, at UH, uh, the Surgical Services and Chief of Surgical Oncology. He is the director there. Coming up next, we'll take a look back at the Monday Nighter from last night, uh, the San Francisco you have a mask on. I have no idea. <laughs> you got the Rams and the Niners to take a look at, among other things. You listen to Cleveland Browns Daily on 850 ESPN Cleveland. Cleveland Browns Daily on 850 ESPN Cleveland. 
Well, the Bath Authority gives you that bathroom of your dreams in about a day. You transform your current bathroom into a custom bath for a spa-like experience. Let the Bath Authority make it a reality for you at a fraction of the cost of the competitors. The Bath Authority is Cleveland's premier path and shower remodeler. Expert, faster trained installers. Give them a call now. You get 500 bucks off your next custom bath or shower remodel. That number is 216-220-8399 or go to thebathauthority.com. Guys, it's where affordability meets quality. The largest selection of bath projects are all made right here in America. Change your bathroom from outdated to outstanding superior products with expert installers at thebathauthority.com. Dr. Vu is going to join us here momentarily. Uh, we had a Monday nighter last night. Um, well, Kyle's a wizard for starters. Yeah. I mean, he's – I used to call him a gangster from the time that he was here. Of course. He's, yeah, well, you guys were yeah. tight. We were very, very tight. I just – you do. he had it in him. He's – it's amazing, like with McVeigh. And I know McVeigh got him last year, but in, in oftentimes it feels like McVeigh's got the more talented team, and Kyle's teams are just better. Uh, you, you just marvel what he would do if he ever had elite quarterback play. He had it once in Atlanta, and they won an MVP with Matt Ryan. Um, it's stunning what, what his teams can do. And they, they there was no – I mean, the Rams have big problems. Yeah, they're not good. No, they can't block it. Stafford will only throw it a cup. It's a strange situation. They don't have anybody really else to throw it to. I mean – yeah, watching that game, and you felt like they can't run the football at all either. No. The Rams. So, it's – yeah, they're not good up front. Stafford looks like he's under duress constantly. And last night, seven sacks. He throws a pick six, which was a big change in the game. But, you know, you got Jeff Wilson steps in for – Elijah Mitchell is supposed to be the starter. He runs for 74 and a touchdown. Debo, six for 115, and it felt like three of those were wide receiver screens yeah. that went for 90 of those yards, including a 57-yard touchdown. It just felt like they were constantly in command, had the Rams on their heels. And, and honestly, though, they let the Rams kind of hang around. They it did. was 14-9 to nine at one point, finishes 24-9. to nine, And you're saying they should be blowing them out. They're dominating this game in every yeah. possible respect. And that was another one for the scores. Way too you're easy welcome. for us. You're welcome. Huge week for what us. What a huge Real victory theater. for us. Oh, my God. We're so Unbelievable. hot. So the hot. Careful. Wear gloves. You might burn your finger. Before we get to the real quick Manning cast thoughts, uh, one other so thing. Good. Is there um, – is there a great team in the NFC? It, I think we, we feel like Philly's playing the best. But I am surprised a month in, everybody else has real flaws. Yeah, Tampa and obviously things appear to be not good on the home front. Which yeah. we knew. I mean, yeah. it, it was it felt apparent. I think you kind of saw it in his demeanor and the way that he was acting. And that's we even wore that hoodie that said forever or whatever, yeah. you know, a month ago. So, yeah, it's all. that They're not great. The Packers not great. Rodgers will not throw to Christian Watson. They actually ran a reverse because he will not throw in the ball because he dropped one week one. He hasn't yeah. thrown it. He won't throw it to him. He's so it's amazing to watch. It's really it's, he's fascinating the way that he approaches his business. Very good at it. But, no, there is not a great team there. Philly feels like the most complete team. But then there's a lot of just kind of like little frisky teams. The Falcons are frisky. The Vikings yeah. can be frisky. The Detroit Lions, if they could ever stop somebody, could be really frisky. And they're about to get Jamison Williams back. Like that offense yeah, could be outrageous. Goff is the fifth in fantasy points from quarterback. Yeah, he's having a monster year. He really is. He's been he's been absolutely sensational. So I, you know, that's the crazy thing. That does feel like if you wake up in the in the NFC, you can say, hey, if we're in the mix, because yep. nobody's looked outstanding. I, I still I had the Packers before the season. I still feel okay about that. Sure, but it, it's not gone well there. All right, Manning cast from last night. So I make the terrible mistake of not oh, realizing it's so on. Good. So we get the you get the breakdown of the streaker, which was the viral moment. ESPN Great. is they're crushing this. We kind of outlined why they're doing this because they're getting the overall rating uh, with both combined, and then they're getting the viral moments from the Manning cast. So they right. have that, and, and then they have the John Ham. And you got Manning cast calling themselves the B team, like on right. the B team. We can show this. We can stuff. show this. Yeah, it's great. It's great. 
<laughs> so good. And then um, you get to uh, you get John Hamm on at the end. You're a big fantasy guy, so you and I listen to the the Simmons and Sal pod. It's one of my favorites. You know when they do the pick the guess the lines. Um, so I knew that they threw somebody out. Yeah, I've known this for years. They've We've known it. They video it every year. It's a it's a it's one of the most cold blooded. It just went like national. I think last night, like everybody became aware of it. Yeah, you know. That, that they at the time of the draft, the winner from the previous year, they all gathered to draft in person, and at that time, that guy can pick one guy to throw out of the league for the year. So they must have 11 guys in the league. I think it's 13. I think it's okay. So then there's an odd yeah, out. Whatever it is, there's one yeah. more person in the league, quote unquote, than number of guys in the league. And they all sit down at the draft. They wait till everybody gets their stuff out and throw in ham. It's funny because I'd seen the video. He literally gets down, sits down. He's got, just like I would have right now, my iPad right here, all the papers, he's ready to go. And the person who won told John Hamm he's out, and he just goes like, folds it, picks his paper up, doesn't say a word, and walks right out. <laughs> and so this year he and got. he's in the middle of Mad Men. This year he, got, this yeah, he was in the middle of Mad Men, racing to get there when that happened. He, uh, and then this year he threw out Damashek, which was awesome. And it was funny that you said that. So last night I'm watching it, and, you know, we're, we've, we're fortunate. We've gotten to become, you know, friendly with the cuz. And I said, Ham, talking about your. Uh, league on the Manning cast is elite, and he goes, it's so great. So, like, even for them, like – Yeah, it's fun. The, yeah, Cuz is loving it. Simmons is loving it. And then, yeah, you got John Hamm talking about getting – I mean, can you imagine they have the stones to be like, John Hamm, you're gone. In the middle of Mad Men. It's unbelievable. Like, like, it's, such a, it's such a great story. I mean, it was unbelievable. Uh, it's one of those things that you'd like to do in, in one of, like, your leagues. I think yes, it would be so it would be fun. so fun. It would be so disappointing, though, if you, you were only in one league. And you got booted. And you got booted, and then it's like you're out of fantasy football for a year. For a year. be absolutely brutal. I know that I'd be tossed – the quickness. I, the I idea of tossing, tossed. you being tossed because you're, you'd be the best at it, yeah. and then also your reaction to being tossed I'd be would be a top five. Oh, yeah. What I do? Yeah, it's outrageous. It'd be outrageous. You hate greatness. <laughs> it would be like the NFL throwing the Patriots in the, their heyday, like at, you're out of the league because you're, you're too good. We'll see you on down the road. Yeah. Uh, Dr. Boos is too good, and he joins us now. Let's get him on a mic there. There you go. Uh, the Cleveland Browns head team physician, of course. Love this conversation every time we get to have it with you, doctor. Thank you for your time. Uh, did you have a chance to see the, uh, the video of the streaker last night that Bobby Wagner took out? Have you seen that video this morning? Yes, I have. Okay. Bobby Wagner and former Brown Tech McKinley, who then took out a fan and then almost had an altercation with a teammate on the sideline as well. Can you give me a diagnosis? So there's a couple of things I want to get to you with from a diagnostic from a diagnostic standpoint. Number one, there appeared to be a security guy oh, yeah, who maybe sure. blew a knee. So could, let's start there. For what sure. was your view of that? And I'll hold you to none of this. Hey, anytime your knee gets stuck in the turf like that, there's all sorts of things that could happen. And um, you always think about someone's ACL or their meniscus, but hopefully he's okay. And I'm, I'm sure that's not the night that the security guard had played. A little wobbly. But then he tried to get back up. I know. And, walk, <laughs> and then it was like his leg went in a weird – Nothing. Didn't look like a leg anymore. <laughs> and, then, and then we had a, a Bobby Wagner, who is a first ballot Hall of Famer, form tackle on a streaker. Um, with his helmet on. With – Correct. Yeah, he was he was in uniform. He was ready to go into the game. Uh, what were your initial fears when you saw that from the streaker? And he gets what he deserves. Like, you're going to streak. This is part of it. Yeah, it, it was a very nice form tackle. But ultimately, you want everyone to get off the field safely and right. hopefully all the players and everyone else on the sideline to be safe. So it uh, certainly uh, adds to a little bit of entertainment, but it was a pretty safe form tackle. Kept his head out of the way. He did. <laughs> you know, it's funny you say that. Let's go there right now. I coach. Uh, fifth grade tackle football and uh, and third grade as well and and one thing that was really cool this year is well first of all what I had to go through to be 
pass to be able to coach it. And one of the things they talk about is exactly what you do. And it was this was the first time that I had coached tackle football. And they, they're teaching an entirely new way to tackle, and that is to keep the head out of it. We were always taught as kids when we tackled to see tackle the ball, see, ball yeah. see what you hit, tackle the ball, fa face mask on ball. Well, if, if, the if the ball carrier is running away from to his right and the ball's in his right, you actually want the head on the left side out of the contact. And so to see kids being taught that at a young age, then that's the only way they know how. It's incredibly effective. Yeah, safety is definitely the number one priority with our athletes on the field. And uh, University Hospitals and the Cleveland Browns have partnered for, with Heads Up Football here to really train all of the coaches and all of the athletes how to tackle safely and keep your head out of the game. And that's the goal that when our, our players and our kids, and uh, we, we all have kids that play, uh, when they're out on the field, they've been equipped appropriately. They know the rules of the game. They know how to tackle. That way when they're out there, they can just enjoy playing and have fun and keep the injuries to a minimum. Walk us through, because it's obviously the biggest story in football with Tua. Just from the procedural standpoint, what happens that allows somebody to get cleared to go back in the game? And then through the week, the things that they still have to be able to show or demonstrate before they get to go back in and then play, say, the following Thursday night. Yeah, the, uh, the NFL has put together a very extensive protocol uh, anytime in, anyone has brought off the field with a suspected head injury from reviewing the video itself, from a, an in-the-tent uh, neurologic examination and review. Then there's an additional exam that uh, often occurs in the locker room, and those have to occur with both the medical doctor and the unaffiliated neurophysician. Uh, if someone is diagnosed with a concussion or suspected of a concussion, they're kept out of the game, and that, that's obviously the, the default here. If there's any concern, you should always have the, have the player uh, out of the game. Uh, thereafter, there's a whole sequence of following up with those neurologic physicians, daily follow-up with the team physician, as well as uh, the concussion battery. There is actually a, an iPad concussion battery of tests that are done every day followed by a gradual exertion back to play. So it's a, a very well uh, scripted, a very well um, designed concussion protocol. Obviously there are things that can happen from time to time that make uh, some uh, the medical environment challenging, but I, I think the NFL overall has done a wonderful job here with how the concussion protocol has been set up. You know, one of the other things that I'm always curious about when, when we watch the NFL is we, we see the, you know, we, we were half joking about the, the poor security guide with the turf monster. <laughs> uh, turf's pretty brutal. Um, and it's something that I, it, I'm always disappointed, even at Ohio State, they put new turf in. I'm like, I know you can grow grass there. For sure you can. And they went with the turf. Um, can we, can we, are there conversations taking place about, especially at the professional level? I'd like to see it everywhere, but at the professional level of getting more grass in these places. Joe talks about it all the time with us, Joe Thomas. Yeah, there, are, uh, there are more documented injuries on turf than on grass. Uh, it's, a, it's a very fast, uh, a very fast surface. The challenge is, is trying to find a consistency of surface. So whether it's grass, whether it's turf, to have a, a surface that you can consistently play on. That way, each time the players step on the field, they know what's under their feet. And so whether it's an environment where grass or, or turf is present, it's knowing exactly that all of them are the same, all of them are consistent. And I think that's what's most important here to start with, whether it's getting rid of grass or getting, or getting rid of turf and adding grass is probably more of having a universal surface that everyone is, uh, is up to the same standards so that each time a player steps on one of those fields, they know exactly what's going to be. Is it an unevenness that, that happens in the bad ones? Because like the ones in New Jersey Met is Life always, MetLife like. always gets people. Uh, the, the turf science gets very detailed as to the, the thickness of the carpet, how much of the infill is there. 
uh, how long those uh, each of the fibers in the in the turf are. So it's become a very sophisticated environment, and there are several different types of turfs out there. And that's where that consistency yeah. here, where the players know, and that's where they before the game they get out and really move around on the turf or on the grass to really get a sense of what type of cleats do I need to do? Do I need longer or shorter uh, shorter cleats on? So I think that's probably the most important. And obviously the biggest one is what should there be one universal yeah. one universal type. And looking at kind of, you know, continuing with player safety and the notion we saw in training camp this year, the guys wore those kind of padded helmets over the helmet or just that padding over that. We've seen so many new helmet styles and the investment that it's made by the league and, and with the medical community to help design these helmets. Where do you think the game goes in terms of safety from, you know, and you guys treat, as you guys always say, from peewee to pro, you know, how do you see this kind of stuff evolving? I think the, the primary goal now is we know that safety and prevention are the number one ways to increase uh, an athlete's longevity and keep them on the field for a long period of time so they can enjoy the, the sport that they love playing. And the helmets are a perfect example. When the helmets were initially designed, they were, they, up until recently, were designed to prevent skull fractures. They were not designed to prevent concussions. And this whole recent technology change is really to design a helmet that reduces the risk of concussion. And we've seen that now with the rule changes, with the better helmets, and now the great data from the Guardian helmets here during training camp showing a reduction in head injuries during training camp here with, when the interior linemen and tight ends wore them. And we've seen that even many of the players have decided to continue to wear them through the season across the league. So I, I think the NFL and all the teams have all of the different ways. What can we do to prevent injury and to increase your longevity? So this was a great example of uh, the players and the team and the, the, uh, medical, uh, the medical societies all working together. And this was a successful, successful endeavor. Dr. Bruce, I know there's a lot of people out there who have kids in sports. I've got three of them in it, and it's a up at dawn siege year round it never stops and i know as i'm doing it it feels like too much when i'm doing it and i i try to pull them out of stuff and it, but it, there's a peer pressure to it because their buddies are doing it everybody's doing it i'm missing out in the back of my head and i'm certainly not a physician i always think i mean how many how many hits can a ligament and not necessarily just football whether it's basketball anything baseball anything are kids getting enough rest i you hit on one of our primary issues in youth, in youth sports today, and that's one is sports specialization. Our, our athletes picking one sport at an age much younger than they should, and then playing all the time and year round, and both of those are a recipe for injury. We have shown in now nearly every professional sport, uh, those kids that specialize at a younger age are more likely to get hurt and less likely to get a scholarship in that sport. So when you talk with our players, most of our players played multiple sports all the way through college, and some played multiple in college. So I think the theme now is play different sports. Let your body get around and move and have your brain and your body learn to do all these different movements. Keep it fun. Your body is not seeing that same repetitive thing over and over again. And if your goal is to be a professional athlete, uh, the data says to play multiple sports. And I think that overall makes you a better athlete. And there definitely is something about rest. Even the NFL has an off-season, right? Mm -hmm. you, ask, you ask most 14-year-olds, there's no off-season. And so we really encourage families, even if it's a micro-break, a week here and a week there, to really build that into your schedule. And the sport will still be there. When mm -hmm. you're 13, your practice and your sport will still be there. It's really hard. We have three children. It's the same pressure as well. But building in rest really is important so you get a chance for your body to catch up. Yeah. What are you guys doing through the ATC program to help, you know, younger kids and sports programs as they, before they do get to college, make sure they're doing everything as safely as possible. 
Uh, this is one of the things we're the most proud of at University Hospitals, and it's really based on our experience in the NFL. We have some of the best athletic trainers in the league with Joe Sheehan and his team here, at, here with the Browns, and we've been able to take that program and, and the experience that the NFL athletes get and translate that down into the high schools. And now we have over 70 high schools that we care for, and there is a UH athletic trainer at every single one of those schools. Uh, we do an emergency action plan with the schools. The athletes have immediate access if they do have an injury. We work through uh, injury prevention, hydration, stretching, how should you eat with nutrition. So it is a, a wonderful way to take all of the great knowledge we've learned at the NFL level, translate that to all of our high schools. Again, that way when our kids are out there the, and the parents as well can know that they're in the safest environment possible and we're taking all the knowledge we've learned from the professional level and really uh, the young kids get to benefit from that. Dr. Bruce, we're lucky to have you. Yes. And we thank you for giving us a little bit of your time today. Great. Thank you very much. Appreciate it, guys. And we will continue here. You're listening to Cleveland Browns Daily on 850 ESPN Cleveland. Cleveland Browns Daily on 850 ESPN Cleveland. We are live from UH Main Campus on Tuesday for our <laughs> crucial catch edition of the program. Hello, Dr. Z. A little Hello. loud? Yeah, I feel like we are a little loud. Yeah. Like, yeah. Made those, those lovely ladies walking by jump. Hey, jump. What's going on? Let's run through these. Sunday nighter, my friend. Yeah, this is this was a beating, really, and it wasn't even it wasn't as close. close. It wasn't close as the score would indicate, 41-31, which is still 10 points. But, you know, Patrick Mahomes is sensational. He continues to be sensational. They're finally getting Marquez Valdez-Scantling going down the field, which I think is helping to replicate some things Tyreek Hill did. But his improv, his skills near the goal line, outrageous. And then the Bucks just look, eh. They just look it's very, not right. eh. It's not right I, for them. I, I don't think there's any question. I think the Chiefs are the best team in the league right now. I'm fine with that. Yeah, that's where I'm at. Uh, Green Bay 27, the Patriots 24. We'll see the Patriots in two weeks. Yeah, how about Bailey Zappi stepping in? He was Who would have had this first rookie to throw a touchdown pass this year would have been Bailey Zappi against the Packers. And he actually played pretty Bailey. well. Uh, I think, again, the Pack, they, they're not quite right. It, it doesn't feel like they're quite right. Um, still very good, obviously, but not elite in any way. And Rodgers, it feels like, it, to your point in the earlier, talking about Christian Watson, is kind of like playing games a little bit out Does. there. Yeah, I agree. I, I think I still feel fine about the Packers, but it's not right with them either. Uh, New England, it, it's just there's not a whole lot there. I mean, they hung in. Bailey Zappi played well. They hung in, but the ceiling is very, very low. Raiders 32, Broncos 23. Raiders had to have it. They get it done. I still think they're a very talented team, and they're a team that if they start playing well into through October and then into November, like I think they still can be a team of consequence. You have Max Crosby and Chandler Jones who can get after the quarterback. You've got a bevy of pass catchers for Derek Carr, and then now Josh Jacobs had that great game. And then on the flip side, Denver, like, are they having buyer's remorse on Russ? Like he does not right. look good. He does not look good, and now they've lost Javante Williams for the season. It is 100% not right. That's a huge loss with Williams in terms of, of 
him. I mean, he was their best offensive player. Uh, through, they weren't giving him the ball, but he was the best offensive player through the start of it. And I do think you, it doesn't look right with him. I think they're the worst coach team in the league, by the way, yep. with Nathaniel Hackett there. Uh, Cardinals 26, Panthers 16. A little bit of discourse between Kyler and Cliff on the sidelines. Yeah, they were fired up on that sideline. On the other sideline, you had discourse between the fans and their quarterback. Yeah. It was this was an abomination of offensive football, is what it was. It was a dreadfully played offensive game that was really a disservice. I think that the Cardinals need to get DeAndre Hopkins back. Hollywood Brown's actually playing He's pretty been well. Awesome. Zach Ertz has been playing pretty well. When they get that other guy, I think that's going to open up a lot of things for their offense. Because right now, last year, remember James Conner had like 100 rushing touchdowns. I'm mm -hmm. exaggerating, but they haven't been able to get the ground game going at all. I think they need that. When they get DeAndre Hopkins back, they I think they will be okay. I don't have a problem with that. I think I think the bigger thing. I mean, one of these teams has potential; the other doesn't. Caroline, it feels like the Billy Madison speech when the preacher says, or when the superintendent says, "We're all dumber for yeah. him." That's Carolina offensively. Oh my God, we're all dumber so for bad. having watched that. There were six, they had six batted balls, two interceptions. It's a, it's dreadful. Yeah. Absolutely dreadful. Uh, Bills twenty-three, Ravens twenty. Second time this season, the Ravens have a, one of the best teams in the AFC on the ropes, and you blew it, boy. Yeah, that's, they were up 17 in this one. They blew it. I think from the Ravens, what you're going to take away as a positive is that, you know, J.K. Dobbins looked pretty darn good coming back, but they need to go ahead and use him. They, they didn't use him at all in the fourth no. quarter. They need to continue to use him. Uh, and then the Bills, they are a resilient bunch. And then selfishly, Gabe Davis, where are you? Come on, bro. What's going on, brother? Come on. Stop being hurt. Throw, let, let's make it happen. Yeah, let's Just make a, it happen. Get, throw us a bone a little bit. Yeah. I, I think this is one of those ones where Buffalo is ultra talented. I put them just a barely a rung below Kansas City. Uh, they're more banged up than, the, than Kansas City is on the sure. defensive side of things. But I, I do think that these are one of those ones you'll look back on when they're 12-5 and five or 13-4 and four and go, oh, they, they gutted it out and they got a win there. Uh, Cowboys 25, Commies 10. They gave up a second-round pick for Carson Wentz. Yeah. After Indy could not wait to get rid of him, mm -hmm. and he is dreadful. He's terrible. Also, Dallas's defense is elite. It's very good. Parsons, yeah. you got Parsons on one side. You got Demarcus Lawrence on the other. They can get after the quarterback. And then how about this little factoid? Cooper Rush is the first Dallas Cowboys quarterback to win each of his first four starts in franchise history. That's something. <laughs> that is something. That certainly is. Chargers 34. We'll see them this week. Houston Texans 24. Yeah, bad for us. Herbert looked great in this one. They finally got Austin Eckler involved. He scored three touchdowns. This game, I realize it says 34 to 24, was not as close as that. They were up early and, and big. Now, if there is one silver lining in this, they are a great offense. They are a bad defense. They're giving up 27 a game. And Damian Pierce rushed, had a 75-yard, I think, yeah. or 80-yard touchdown run against them. So hopefully we can. This is a game. Our formula is going to be similar to last week, I think. Yeah. Run the football, control the clock, dominate time of possession, but this time, hopefully, we finish more of these drives with touchdowns or, or field goals, just points. Joey Bosa down for eight weeks, nine weeks. I mean, he just he just can't stay healthy um, for, for Bosa there, and that's a big benefit to us. The Tennessee Titans, resilient. I thought they were cooked. They went into Indy. That Indy team looks cooked. Yeah, they're shutting us up, actually. I don't think they've lost since we told them no. to play Malik Willis. They're like, actually, no, we're doing just fine. Ryan Tannehill, he's doing just fine. They've gotten uh, the ability. they got Derrick Henry going again, back-to-back -back big games. Jonathan Taylor not doing much at all. Uh, right now for the Indianapolis Colts. Matt Ryan looks so cooked. The ball's in the air forever, and we are on the air. You can hear us talking right now. <laughs> Seattle 48, the Lions 45. My God, Dan Quinn, or Dan uh, Campbell, get a defense, brother. It, again, I know he's an offensive player in the league, but it feels like he would be a guy who would have a strong, physical, tough defense. And is not tough. They're on pace to give up the most points in NFL history. 
They are a fun offense. Jamison Williams is going to come back. They're going to be even more fun. Jared's playing very well. You know, no DeAndre Swift and Jamal Williams is playing great. No Amon Ross St. Brown in this one. No DJ Chark. And they still threw for 378 and four touchdowns. Williams ran for over 100 plus. Hawkinson had 179 and two scores, fortunately, on my fantasy team, which was very good. But how about Goff and Geno Smith turning in an absolute shootout? Who would have had that? Geno Smith better than Russ so far this season. I, I believe passer, that he is. 1,100 yards. I'm not even kidding. He is. Yeah, he is better. How about this crazy factoid? This is another one that's yep. nuts. This is from NFL Research here in this little handy-dandy thing that uh, Connor printed out for us. This was the first game in NFL history with a 48-45 final score. Okay. There have been four games featuring 90 or more combined points in the past five seasons. Jared Goff has played in three of them. That's <laughs> quite the anomaly. And maybe it's not. Maybe though, not I guess. Like I suppose. Not. Maybe yeah. it's not. Yeah, Eagles 29, Jaguars 21. This was impressive. This one was played in a monsoon. Jaguars were up big in this one. I think 14, 14 to nothing, nothing before Philly yep. went, got going. Yeah, and Trevor Lawrence, I think he had five fumbles in this one or five turnovers in this one. Uh, yeah, the, the situation was very tough. Uh, again, this Eagles team, when they needed to be physical, they did. When they got down 14 nothing, they didn't panic. They came right back. I think this is a good win for them to do things in the future because it shows, all right, we, we know we can come back. We're a good football team. They faced a little adversity, and they overcame it. All right, Giants 20, Bears 12. Does that Orlovsky went at the Bears for what they're doing to Fields today on Get Up. Did you see that? So I didn't see that. And so here's the thing. So, like, last year's staff was bad for him. Now this year's staff is bad for him. Is he no, maybe? No, talent. In for, oh, in terms of? Fifth ground left tackle. Oh, Cole yeah. Komet looks like a, an offensive tackle. Your number one receiver is really a three, which means your number two is really a five, like all of it. Oh, it's yeah, they the, made no investment around It's the least talented him. offensive just, team in football by a wide margin. Again, and why would you trade three ones to go ahead and get him and then give him nothing to work with? I have like, no idea. They'd be better off trading him to somebody and saying, you could see if you can rehabilitate him, but I worry that he's going to be absolutely cooked. I think there's a decent chance he is. Jets 24, Steelers 20. I like this Jets team. Cody Pickett's in. I really What's do. His name? Kenny Pickett. Kenny. Cody was the kid from UW a long time ago. I really like this Jets team. I thought Zach Wilson, after a slow start, looked good. Brees Hall's finally getting to become the guy. He's good. Garrett Wilson's good. Elijah Moore's good. Corey Davis is good. Tyler Conklin's a solid possession tight end. Like, they're a fun offense. I'm and the Steelers are bad. Yeah, they're bad. I wonder how Pittsburgh is going to handle being bad. They've never been. They don't know what that's like to go for They're already freaking out. They're yeah, putting Tomlin on the hot seat right now. Yeah. The one thing I did like about that is, again, that he got George Pickens involved. And George Pickens George is a guy. Do you see the block? He's a smoke. Listen, that's a guy, and I think that we'd have a great draft class. Mm -hmm. I really enjoy. I think MJ Emerson like looks like he could be a first round corner. But when you look at our football team and you say, well, what if we had that guy out there? And we could have drafted him. He was picked after we traded out in the second round. That's one that I think bears watching over the next few years because it feels like he is exactly what our offense needs. Now, Greedy's been out. MJ Emerson's been great. That's good. But it, it just feels like he is what we needed, and guys like that don't grow on trees or give you an opportunity to get him when you don't have a first-round pick. And I think, you know, he's already got six for 102. The, you saw the catch he made against us. And I just think he's a really good player. Vikings and Saints to close it out. The Vikings didn't close it out. They should have won that game easily. They did not, but they ended up getting the win. And, uh, you know, they're, a f they're another one of those frisky teams that is fun to watch when their offense is, is cooking. Get Dalvin cooking a little bit for me. Can you do that for me? Just yeah, a, little like a little bit more. more. I'd like to see a little bit more. Uh, so much more to come. We're live from UH's main campus for crucial catch on this edition of Cleveland Browns Daily, 850 ESPN Cleveland.
Cleveland Browns Daily on 850 ESPN Cleveland. Well, we want to thank all the great people here at UH. We want to thank Dr. Bruce for stepping by, Dr. Yes. Winter as well. Uh, a lot of good messages out there. I hope that stuff landed. I mean, that's life-saving stuff. We're talking yes. about the crucial catch and getting it early. And also, for those of you parents, you got kids in these sports, it'll wait, man. It'll wait. Give them a rest. Give them a rest. Keep them in a lot of stuff. You don't need to specialize nine-year-olds. I see it, brother. I know. It's a little it's premature. <laughs> Just slightly. Um, all right, so this has been great. We thank everybody out here. It's been awesome, and uh, we were glad we were able to at least get that last hour in for you guys, despite the technical yeah, sh- difficulties. Shout out to Danny for uh, stopping by. And Danny crushed up. it. Absolutely crushed it. Uh, good job out of him. Um, we appreciate your patience on the first hour there. We will be back tomorrow. The next level is coming up next. Thanks for listening, everybody. Cleveland Rounds Daily, 850 ESPN Cleveland. You've been listening to Cleveland Browns Daily, a production of the Cleveland Browns and ESPN 850 WKNR.